It's Tuesday, September 22nd. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Molly Fool Funds, Bill Barker. Happy Tuesday, my friend. Why, thank you. We opened yesterday's podcast talking about the arrival of the Pope. Uh, I believe the Pope arrives in town uh, later this evening. And for the people in the room yesterday, myself, Jason Moser, Taylor Muckerman, we are, based on where we live, unaffected traffic-wise by the Pope's arrival. I'm wondering, though, given where you live, I'm thinking your commute's going to be adjusted, or are you just going to be working from home on Wednesday and Thursday? I've not paid enough attention to it yet. I mean, is the Beltway going to be affected? I don't need to go through the city. I mean, the Pope is not speaking on the Beltway, right? I mean, he's not... No, although, you know... Because that seems like a, a less choice location to get a couple hundred thousand people than some of the arenas downtown. That's true, although I bet if, on a whim, he decided he wanted to, everyone's going to make that happen. But, yeah, in general... Is he but, prone to whims like that? <laughs> that's got to be one of the tough things about being you know, President of the United States, the Pope, elite. I mean, whims are, are probably tough to indulge. Let's go mess up the Beltway? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that would be his intention. Uh, no, I think I think that I'll be okay. okay. But I, I think that my uh, family goes into town for school. Uh, they're they're in a less secure uh, traffic situation. Yeah, and you'll just be sitting back silently laughing because you can't openly laugh at your family. I mean, you can, but it's 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 improper. I can. <laughs> Um, let's move on. There are consequences. <laughs> there, oh, yeah. There are always consequences. Uh, we're going to get to some earnings stories. We are going to also talk about the evolving situation at Volkswagen. And when I say evolving, I, of course, mean evolving in a horrible fashion for that company. But let's start with, um, well, a, a business in the auto industry that's faring a little better, and that's AutoZone. Fourth quarter profits and revenue coming in higher than expected. Same store sales up four and a half percent. This is a really solid business. They really do seem like they're chugging along nicely for a few years. Oh yeah, and uh, this is a company that we own in uh, one of the funds uh, that uh, MPM manages, and because it's got some of the attributes that I find most appealing in a retailer, which is the ability to improve almost every single number in between uh, the top line and the bottom line so that when you get down to the bottom line it's it's a really good solid number uh, every quarter and that is that the same store sales were up 4.5 percent so if they just kept the same number of stores they, they would have sold 4.5 percent more than the same time last year but they opened some stores so total sales is up uh, almost eight percent for the quarter. Uh, and then they improve margins a little bit, and then they uh, on top. So they they're getting more profit from every sale, and then they're buying back shares. So there are fewer shares to divide. Uh, and and when you get down to the end of doing each one of those things right, uh, they were up about fourteen percent for for the year. Are they in? I haven't looked at what if any online sales they have. I don't know if that's a potential problem. For them, um, is the fact that uh, my assumption is that this is a bricks and mortar retailer, 
And if you want their stuff uh, overwhelmingly, you're going to have to go to one of their locations. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but if that is the case, they would seem to defy the basic growth trend in e-commerce. Yeah, they they have some online sales, but it, for the most part, it's people going in the the day that they need something, uh, and it, do you have it? And so where their uh, value it comes in is people want something that day. They've got a huge inventory. They've got more things in stock than anybody else, and they cater primarily to the do-it-yourself uh, client. And they also have a growing do-it-for-me business. So you can bring your car in, and they've got bays, and they'll fix it for you as well. But there are other competitors who have more of a history of of serving that part. So uh, the the online sales supplements, uh, but you know for the most part it is people going into the store, and, and the store has to have a large inventory of of ready parts. Uh, but a lot of those parts are uh, private label, uh, so under the AutoZone uh, Duralast brand, um, and also they they get their uh, suppliers to you know fund fund the inventory for the most part. So, it's, it's a great business. Do you think that part of what has helped this stock is the fact that they haven't split their shares in, I think, more than 20 years? I mean, you just, you just look at their stock, and it's trading at around $735 a share. And I think that I don't know. I look at that as a slight advantage, because there are always going to be people who are thrown off by a triple-digit stock price? I can't answer that. I think they are they are helped much more by their willingness and persistence to buy back their own shares, uh, and that that is what drives the earnings per share, which ultimately is is the driver of, of higher valuations, is improving um, you know earnings for every share. I, I do think that if you look at the Group of companies which allow their stocks to go well past a hundred dollars a share, you're in good company. Those appear to be companies which are are not so focused on you know we have to manage the the share price by by stocks. But that you know that said, there are lots of great companies that split their shares and uh, that excites investors at times. And you know in the long run, I don't think it has any effect. Let's move on to Darden Restaurants, parent company of Capital Grill, Longhorn Steakhouse, and of course Steve Broido's beloved Olive Garden. Uh, and we talked about that on the on the radio show last week. Just the the pasta pass. What is the nature of his love? I I think he just loves the food there. Loves going there. Has a great enjoys the food. Enjoys the customer experience. He is as as big a promoter of that restaurant as anyone I know. Um, okay. Uh, and the fact that no one at Olive Garden's uh, PR department or investor relations department has figured out how much love we've given <laughs> Steve has given that business over the last few years on the radio show, uh, I you know come on. I mean, you want to be comped for that? I don't. I think that uh, some enterprising uh, PR person at Olive Garden or Darden Restaurants corporate would do well to just listen to the radio and say, oh, let's let's send some Olive Garden swag to that guy, to the he's, man behind the He's done the a little voiceover work, right? Has he? Or he tried to for the the uh, Washington Metro for the Metro. Right? That's he was right. A finalist. He was to a fi- be like the 
Mind the Gap or whatever one hears on the, the Washington Metro. When was that? Was I think that was like 06? It was it was 05. No, we were in the Pitt Street office, so I think it was the fall of 05, 2005. For anyone who's ever been on the DC Metro, or you know, I mean, you, you you get on a subway system anywhere, there's there's a voice that'll come over to tell you that you're arriving at your next stop, or tell you that the doors are closing, that sort of thing. And in 2005, it the, almost was Steve. The Washington Metro Authority held a contest. There were ten finalists, and Steve Broido was one of them. And you know what? They 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 picked a fine. They voice. blew it. <laughs> I wasn't going to say they blew it. They picked I'm the, just they picked leaping the to his defense. Yeah, I mean, come on. We but were... Olive Garden could still, he's available. I mean, all that time that he would have been spending doing the voice for, for the Metro is free to, yeah. to dedicate to Olive Garden yeah. with his heartfelt love for their product. Exactly. Let's dig into the numbers, though, for uh, Darden Restaurants proper, because, they, I mean, you go back a little over a year ago, and the big story around Darden Restaurants was uh, one of the other chains they owned was Red Lobster. It was profitable for them, and they announced they were selling it, which definitely raised some eyebrows at the time because it was profitable and large. And they their rationale was, no, we're going to sell this partly so that we can raise some money, so we can rehab some Olive Garden locations, partly so we can just focus focus on fewer restaurant chains. And that's really worked out well for them. They've really executed against that plan. And certainly, when you look at the stock performance of Darden Restaurants over the last 12 to 18 months, relative to their competitors, they've been crushing it. Yeah, I think that credit goes to the activist investors at Starboard Value, who were pushing for uh, you know spinning off Red Lobster, and uh, you know the performance of the stock in the last year, as you note, has been uh, very impressive, and and continues with with this. Uh, it's off a little bit today, but not because this isn't a good report. It is a good report, and to actually have same store sales, we were just crediting AutoZone for having um, same store sales up four point five percent. Uh, but across all of their brands, uh, they were up in the in the last quarter. Uh, being Olive Garden, Capital Grill was up seven percent. Uh, Longhorn, Yard House, Bahama Breeze, and and not one of them was down. Um, I believe for the quarter. So that's good management. It is, and I, I mean, I would just expect, given what limited experience I have eating at Capital Grill, it's been a long time since I've eaten there. But I would, I would think you got to save up. You, well, I was just going to say, if 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 they're having uh, problems with same store sales at Capital Grill, then they're doing something horribly wrong because that's an expensive place to eat, certainly relative to Olive Garden. Uh, yes, yes, certainly relative <laughs> relative to that and many other places. But you know, you, I think you get what you pay for it. Given my limited experience at Capital Grill as well, is that it's a rather eye popping check at the end, but uh, a meal worth having eaten. So I I think that there more and more people are. Feeling the same way uh, with sales up 7.2 percent for uh, for the quarter. Uh, I think it's uh, a, a good restaurant. Let's move on to Volkswagen, uh, which we talked about yesterday. And by the time you're actually listening to this, uh, there's a very good chance that Martin Wintercorn will no longer be the CEO at VW. Uh, I mean, he may be out by now, as far as I know. But um, you're uh, you're an attorney. In a former life, 
And I am curious. God, I wish I had Volkswagen <laughs> as a client today. Well, so let, you know. This is the client you want. The, uh, the, uh, once again, the oh, lawyers are going to make out just fine. Your client has a lot of trouble and has a lot of money to pay the bills. That is who, who you want. Uh, and boy, do they have a lot of trouble. They also have a stock price that for the second day in a row is falling about 18%. And uh, the company has said they have set aside just over seven billion dollars to deal with, you know, whatever whatever fines may come their way. And as you and and Dan Boyd uh, and I were discussing beforehand, I think they're going to need more than seven billion. Yeah, yeah. We, you know, it, to, to borrow from the classic movie Jaws, they're going to need a bigger boat. Yeah, the they're they're gonna like Titanic-sized boat for for the money that is going to be involved in this one because they, from what percentage of the story we know right now, they were dishonest about things which included, um, you know, producing cars which qualified for uh, tax credits, you know, and so you've got uh, the U.S. government dipping into its own coffers to help finance the purchase of these vehicles. These quote-unquote clean diesel clean diesel vehicles. vehicles. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think they're going to want all that money back times a big number. And, and since Volkswagen has already admitted guilt and is in um, crisis uh, mode, uh, you know, it, it's, it's an easy case for the other side. I, I mean, this, this was... This was knowing. This was they knew the regulations. They knew somebody. I don't know who, how high it went up. Uh, knew they were violating the regulations. But this is as bad a set of facts as I've seen in the auto industry. But for this, let's put a, a cap on on how bad it is. Wait, you're going to give me a silver lining for Volkswagen? I am. Oh, sure. okay. This will be awesome. Uh, you know, we've seen you can quantify from you know GM's recent experience what the costs perhaps are of being aware or or should have been aware of serious safety problems, which led to the deaths of people, uh, and and we're not talking about that. So, not to minimize, you know, what what happens to the environment from a car that doesn't. Pass in, in you know fuel inspections or, or emissions inspections, but we're we're not talking about deaths and hiding and covering up safety problems. So it could be worse, you know, um, but it's pretty bad. I, I agree that it could be worse, but I think that's the only way it could be worse. Yes, that <laughs> is the only way it could be worse. But you know, deaths, not having any deaths to account for in this is. Uh, is meaningful, and I think you know you've got the the GM model set up, and and you can sort of benchmark against that. And if it ends up being that they pay way more money for some marginal uh, emissions uh, than you know than deaths caused, then that's going to be you know something that they can point to. Perhaps I don't know. Maybe they just throw themselves on the mercy of the court here. But unlike General Motors, which had a problem, and then was in the position of just essentially trying to cover up a problem that was discovered after the fact and you know just removing it from GM if if every once in a while you get a notice in the mail as I do where it's oh your um, your model of this vehicle has a, a rubber sealant in the sliding door that 
was a bad batch we got, so we need to replace that and bring that in, that sort of thing. This was, in the case of Volkswagen, this was 100% premeditated. GM didn't go out of their way to create sort of faulty switch ignition mm-hmm. switches. Volkswagen, and this is something that started in 2009 models. So, and 2009 models, as we know, come out in 2008. And just chatting with some of our colleagues in our tech department, uh, we were just trying to estimate okay, so let's say you are working at Volkswagen in the tech department and you are trying to figure out how to get around California emissions tests. How early do you need to start that? And ballpark at least a couple of years, two or three years. Mm -hmm. So we're going back to 2005, 2006. This was entirely premeditated. And I think it's sort of telling that uh, Wintercorn, who's the CEO of the whole company, puts out that statement yesterday where he, he's sort of, we don't tolerate wrongdoing or we don't tolerate illegality or whatever else. It's like, not only do you apparently tolerate it, you planned it. Mm-hmm. And compare that to the statement from Michael Horn, who is the president and CEO of Volkswagen Group in America. Who at an event said uh, our company was dishonest? We screwed up. Yeah. So uh, I mean, th- th- and the last thing I'll say is, this does not, uh, unlike some scandals or problems that that businesses have, this appears to have neither a single fall guy, nor an easy cheap fix. No. Like so, well, I mean, setting aside whatever lawsuits are going to come, and they will come. Oh yeah, um, will I think I'm pretty sure they're already in in the, they've already been filed, right? I mean, a class action suit, you know, that doesn't take any, it doesn't take you know two hours to file anymore. Uh, all true, all true. They've got huge problems, um, to, uh, and and they're of their entirely of their own making. And you know, um, the, the word Schadenfreude is going to get thrown around here a, a lot. It being a German word. And applying to Volkswagen, I'm sure I pronounced it wrong. All the German speakers can correct Chris Hill for allowing somebody to mispronounce yet another word on this show. But do you think there is actually Schadenfreude going on at the other automakers? I bet. I bet. My hunch is that Mary. Bar- I think they're all they're all double checking. You know. Well, that's the thing. I mean, it's. Uh, I'm sure there are some people, but I bet Mary Barra at GM or Mark Field at, at Ford. I, I think every head of every automaker is going to whoever is their top lieutenant in the tech department and say, do whatever, conduct whatever witch hunt you need to conduct to make sure this type of thing is not happening here. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure that at least, I would think at least some of them are thinking, you know how much we spent to make, you know, vehicles that would actually pass that California law and, you know, how much that impacted profits and, and all that, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's some, some. Not everybody is going to be as guilty as as Volkswagen. That that nobody is uh, would be a good thing, um, but we'll we'll see. We I'm, I'm sure uh, inspections are being uh, doubled. There there is a lot more money that is going to be available to throw at inspecting cars. Wherever you are, um, and and every state, I'm sure, and and uh, FDA or EPA, I'm sorry, are, are all going to be in on it. Thanks for being here. Thank you. 
You can go to FoolFunds.com and sign up for declarations. It's the free monthly newsletter from Bill Barker, Bill Mann, Nate Weiser, Brian Hinman, Charlie Travers, Dave Meyer, the crack staff at Fool Funds. Just go to FoolFunds.com, put your email address, free monthly newsletter. Always great stuff in declarations. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.